Welcome to another episode of the Divorce Survival Guide podcast, where we have real, honest, smart, and sometimes even hilarious conversations about co-parenting, separation, and divorce, and all that goes along with that. I'm Kate Anthony, your Divorce Survival Guide, Certified Life and Relationship Coach, and Happily Divorced Mom, who helps women decide if they should stay in or leave their marriages, and then guides them through the process one step at a time. Hey everyone, happy summer! It is starting to heat up here in LA, and I, for one, am not looking forward to the 115 degree weeks that are about to come. Oh my God, you guys, I don't have central AC in my house. So I have all these window units and there are all these complicated systems involved with keeping doors closed to cool multiple rooms at once. And oh my God, it's just complicated and fucking expensive. Jesus. Anyway, I wanted to take this time not to vent about the heat, but to address a topic that comes up over and over again in my Facebook group. And if you're a mom who's struggling to decide whether to stay or go or who's going through a divorce, you need to be in my Facebook group. Um, There's a link in the show notes that'll take you there. But this is the topic that comes up over and over again. And it goes something like this. My husband has been emotionally abusive for years. I finally told him I was leaving, and now he's pulling out all the stops. He says he realizes the error of his ways and that he's working on changing. He even wants to go to therapy with me now, even though I have been asking for years. He's telling me that he's changed and that he gets it now. He's basically doing everything I've asked for years. I don't love him anymore, and I've tried for so long, but now I'm questioning everything, and I feel so guilty for wanting to leave. He's never been this nice to be in our to me in our whole marriage what should i do that is not a direct quote of anyone's post that is simply the broad strokes of something that i see all the time so here's my answer to that i think it's great if someone realizes that the way that they've been acting for the last 10 years isn't cool i think it's great if someone recognizes the ways in which they need to grow and evolve and that they take responsibility for their actions and make amends for past hurts that they've inflicted on you like all of that is fucking great and it doesn't mean you have to stay but more than that and i'll come back to that in a minute here's what will inevitably happen If they aren't in their own therapy and working on their own growth and taking deeper responsibility by healing the wounds that got them here, this will not be lasting change. This will be nothing more than a tactic to keep you in the abuse cycle. If he was really emotionally abusive, this is part of the cycle where he draws you back in. Lasting change is not possible without hard, ongoing, and consistent work. I am going to say that again. Lasting change is not possible without hard, ongoing, and consistent work. And by the way, that applies to you as well. So even if he's doing the work, you still may have too many scars to be able to trust in this relationship again. And that is okay. You are allowed to feel that your trust has been too breached to be healed. You are allowed to make a choice that serves and protects your own heart and your delicate psyche. Because remember, you deserve to be happy. And here's something that I want you to look out for. I want you to give it a couple of weeks. 
If this is a tactic to keep you trapped in an abusive cycle, it usually takes about two weeks for the cracks to begin to show, for him to start to get angry again if he feels that he's losing control and his usual tactics aren't working. So watch out for those cracks because that's exactly where the light will shine through and you will have your clear answer. And here's the other thing I want to add to this. If he's really doing the work and he's really making effective changes, and you still can't bring the trust back, he should be able to accept that. And then you have the foundation for a beautiful collaborative separation that might be super healing and really healthy for your kids. That's what I was able to create with my ex, and the relationship we have now is a testament to the deep work that we both did and our commitment to putting our son at the center of every decision that we made, above our anger and resentment and anything else that would have made our divorce super nasty. That's what I wanted to say about that. If you have any more questions about this, join my closed Facebook group. It's only for women. I'm sorry, guys. But there are tons of conversations happening in there about just this topic. And as always, this is exactly what my program is designed to help you get clarity on. My program will help you do the deep work necessary to create lasting change for yourself. So I want you to check that out too. And again, we'll have the link in the show notes for both the Facebook group and my program. Okay, so today's episode. Today I have with me the amazing Matthew Solomon. Matthew is the coach for the modern soul, a relationship and empowerment coach specializing in intimacy and communication. He is the author of Man School, Relating with Women in the Me Too Era, which was an Amazon number one new release in six categories. He writes the weekly column Too Sensitive for The Good Men Project, is an award-winning filmmaker, and a divorced father of three. In addition to his private coaching practice, Matthew was also regularly invited to speak on panels on the topics of diversity and inclusion. So you can see why when I put out an APB on Facebook asking for who I should have on the podcast to talk about toxic masculinity, Matthew was a crowd favorite. So without further ado, may I present my incredibly inspiring conversation with Matthew Solomon. Matthew Solomon. <laughs> Hello. 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 Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to our conversation. I am too. Um, and I want to tell my audience that I kind of, I searched sort of far and wide for the perfect person to have this conversation with. Hmm. And um, somehow Matthew and I didn't know each other, um, which was weird because <laughs> yeah. we're really connected in a lot of ways. Yeah. So we actually went and had lunch together. So I have like fully vetted um, this guest probably more than almost <laughs> anyone. I was like, let's meet in person. Let's have yeah. this conversation. So I'm super excited to talk about this today. Yeah. Thanks, Kate. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to be talking about the like no this is like this is like a hot button word right we say this phrase mm. and people have very strong reactions um and so we're going to talk about toxic masculinity mm. so i want to hear from you what do you, what is your definition matthew of toxic masculinity I think we might have like a little different. I don't know, maybe yeah. not. But yeah, tell me what you what you mean when we talk about toxic masculinity. Well, you know, it's interesting, and I, you know, I'll preface this by saying, and I, you know, I think 
well, language is a funny thing. And, and words and combinations of words mean di- different things to different people. And, and so, you know, what, what I understand toxic masculinity to be, and, and when I'm working with people uh, on this or speaking on this, it, it's really qualities, you know, we all have masculine qualities, we all have feminine qualities, and some of those are positive and some of those are negative. And so there are certain qualities that are associated with masculinity with with men there are certain qualities that are that are negative that you know and that could be anything from you know catcalling to to trying to you know to mansplaining and dominating and you know things like that just as you know there there are feminine traits that are toxic also also like you know emasculation and um, you know that sort of thing. So, so when people say toxic masculinity, generally we're, we're talking about traits that are generally associated with men that are the the ones that are negative, hurtful, and harmful. Mm. Not not all traits that are associated with men, and not all men, but those are you know specific specific qualities that have tended to be hurtful and harmful. Okay. To men and women. Yes. Okay. So it's interesting because I have a different sort of understanding. And I think this is where, you know, like you said, you know, everything lives in the words and in communication, right? Mm -hmm. So um, I have a different understanding of the definition of toxic masculinity. And the way that I sort of have understood it is that it's the, the fact that men are not boys, are not raised or taught to uh, express their feelings, right? They're told man up, don't be a, you know, don't be a cry baby or, you know, don't be a sissy or a girl, right? All of that shit. Right. Mm -hmm. And so from a very young age, boys were taught that, um, feelings were feminine and that if in order to be a man, Mm -hmm. you know, boys don't cry, right. They have to man up. And so that's created this sort of tamped down, pushed down, natural expression because as humans we have feelings newsflash and that when they're not expressed properly and we're not taught to express them authentically and properly and safely and and all of that it actually creates a toxicity within that then manifests as the behaviors that you're talking about yeah okay I mean, I, you know, I, it's funny cause you know, and, and uh, like, this is the beauty of language. So I, right. you know, from, from me hearing what you're saying, uh, the man up and, and, you know, shove down your emotions to me are masculine qualities that are toxic things that yeah. are, that uh. are generally to men right. you know, as ways of being that are hurt, hurtful and harmful to men and yeah. women. So it's, right. yeah, it, you know, yeah, so I mean, it's it's like, oh, which came first the ch- you know, it's like the chicken or the egg. Right. Which, which right. Way, yeah. And I guess, you know, the way that I view it is that it's the toxicity is when I, when I talk about toxic masculinity, and this is why I've actually been lobbying for a rebrand of the term. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm fine with that. <laughs> because, you know, you and I have a very, we have, you have a, we have a very similar background. Mm-hmm. And you and I both have, I think, a similar understanding or belief. If your communication is not landing with the other, it's your job to adjust your communication mm-hmm. so that the other person can receive it, right? Sure. Um, and so there's, you know, in sort of the sci- science of communication and the um, 
Shannon Weaver model of communication, which is developed in like 1943, right? There's this whole idea that there's a feedback loop. And if you are expressing something to somebody and it's not landing, you're going to get feedback that it's not landing and it's your job to adjust your communication and try again, right? This is sort of how it works. Mm -hmm. And as we know, like, you know, you're also competing with all the noise inside the other person's head, right? All of their own internal chatter. So yeah. you're trying to communicate through that too, right? So long sort of roundabout way of saying this is why I'm sort of lobbying for a rebrand because mm -hmm. I feel like, and when I talk about rebrand, uh, guys, what I'm talking about is like renaming, <laughs> renaming it because it feels like people aren't getting it. And the people who aren't getting it are the people who need to get it. Mm -hmm. Because it's, to me, it's not something that's offensive. It's like, oh my God, I want you to have this thing, right? I want yeah. you to have this expression, right? Does that yeah. make sense? I yeah, totally. I, I mean, it, you know, it comes down to, to the extent that we can take a step back and look at something as information, you mm -hmm. know, and not get caught up in the, the meaning we're giving it or the, the, you know, the meaning that we believe is implied, you know, if we can step back and, and sort of observe and then, you know, deal with it from, you know, like the what so, what are the words that are saying, you know, versus, yeah. uh, you know, the, the story about it and how we feel about it. Right. Um, then we can break it down. And so, you know, I, I did a video after, you know, I forget how many months it's been, but Gillette had that commercial that came out. Right. And, and everybody was all up in up arms in about arms. toxic masculinity. And, you know, I watched the commercial and, and it, for me, it was really beautiful because it showed, you know, one way of being that was, again, hurtful and harmful. And then what's possible in ways of being that are really beautiful and, and promote love and peace and understanding and connection and intimacy and all of that. But the fact that, that toxic masculinity was mentioned within like the first five seconds, everybody hooked into that. And so I had done a video uh, within the month after that, just kind of like we're doing now, explaining what toxic masculinity is, explaining what it's not. Right. Um, it's really, not, by the way, that men are toxic. Right. Exactly. That's what so many men hear yeah. when they hear the phrase toxic masculinity. That's what my yeah. son heard. You know, mm -hmm. as, as, at, at the age of 13, I started talking about to him about toxic masculinity and he ran out of the room and he slammed his door. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, whoa. And that was a huge eye opener for me. Mm -hmm. Sorry, yeah. I interrupted yeah. you. But I, no, you know? but, but that, I mean, that's, that, you know, makes the point, which is immediately there were people who jumped in and, you know, even though, you know, I said, you know, it doesn't mean men are toxic. This is what it means. And I also acknowledge that the second people say masculine or masculinity, it's all about, we believe it's all about men. And so we as men are like, well, don't talk to me about men, you know, or what's wrong with men or what, you know, how to be a man. And, and right. it, it just right. it has this whole context. It has this history behind it, just like fe femininity would. Yes. You know, like, like uh -huh. if, we, if we were talking about toxic femininity and a woman was like, well, don't tell me how to be feminine, you know, or, or, or whatever right. version of that, like right. it, it sets up these, it sets up a, a context where we're at odds. Yes. And, and so I had even mentioned in the video when I, when I coach and when I work with couples and individuals, I don't really talk about the terms masculine and feminine mm. because it, it brings up all of this stuff. And yet somebody still had a, a, an issue with that, <laughs> you know, and, with and you it, not bringing it up. Well, cause he was saying, well, you're saying you don't bring it up, but you're doing a whole video on it. 
And I'm like, yeah, oh, I'm doing I a see. video to explain it. And I'm, you know, so it's like even clarifying, you right. know, there's still, there's still that, that need to defend and confront and, and, you know, all of that. So, yeah, I, I mean, it would be great to, <laughs> to, to rebrand or rename or, or find another way to address it. And, and it, it could just be harmful traits. Or something. Right. It could be as simple as right behaviors that, you know, that hurt. But then at this at the same time, and in response to the video that I did where I mentioned catcalling as a as an example of toxic masculinity, yeah. there were a lot of men who were like, catcalling isn't harassment, catcalling isn't toxic. When the women I've been talking to and working with and listening to for 20 plus years, it absolutely is, and it's scary. Yes. Yes. Um, and I love that in your book that you talk about that. You really break down um, the how how scary it is for women to be in the world right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and it has been for a long time. But I, I mean, as a woman in the world right now, I can tell you that I feel more fear and more unsafe being in the world. And I'm a white woman. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I feel more fear than I did growing up in New York City, getting catcalled every day. Mm. Oh, wow. And I, you know, and I, you know, and I am now like, you know, 48, a mother living in Los Angeles, like in my house 90% of the time, you know, Mm -hmm. but just going out and dating in this world, I feel more unsafe than I ever did. Mm -hmm. And so much of it is this, this groundswell that we're seeing right now, this, you know, since the Me Too movement. And I think, you know, I think that the Me Too movement is to this toxic masculinity kind of thing, you know. It's all, you know, we keep going from extreme to extreme, right? right? And and it's just giving rise to so much more. Mm-hmm. Women saying no, no more enough is scaring yeah. the shit out of usually dominant white men mm-hmm. who are really, were like really happy in their dominance over, yeah. <laughs> over women. Yeah. Right. I mean, you know, it's, it's interesting. I, I um, about a year ago. I was having a conversation with uh, a white man who was in his 70s, mm. and we were talking, I had mentioned the book that I wrote, and we were talking about the Me Too movement and all of that, and he was like, gosh, I wish we could just go back to the way it was, I think it was the 50s or 60s, he's like, everything was so much simpler. Yeah. I was like, you do realize all of this was happening, you just weren't hearing about it. Right. Like, Nobody oh, was wow. calling you out on yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. It's it's interesting. You you mentioned dating, and and one of the things you know I've shared with when, when I teach lead courses for men and women and and relationships. You know the reality is women share with me that when they go on dates, like they they text their friends, "This is the guy that I'm going out with. This is his picture. This is you know if you have his phone number, this is his phone number. And if you don't hear from me by ten o'clock, then yep, this is where we're going. Well, this is yeah." yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And then, Absolutely. and then when I ask men, well, what do you do to prepare for a date? And they're like, oh, take a shower, you know? Yeah. yeah. Right. If that. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Depending on the circles you're, you're running in. Yeah, right. or, you, know, you never know. <laughs> so you talk in your, I mean, there's so many, there's so much great stuff in your book, by the way, Matthew's book is called man school. Everyone needs to get it. Um, it's again, um, like it's like my favorite kind of book. Um, and I, uh, which is that it's, 
it's not like super long. It's not super dense. It gets exactly right to the point. It doesn't give a whole lot of fluff. Like you can read it in, you know, an hour and a half or so like sitting, like it's really digestible and, and awesome. Mm. So everyone needs to get it. Um, and as a woman, I appreciate it so much. So, you know, that's not just for the men. I mean, obviously it's man school. So we do want the men to get it right. Mm -hmm. Like it, it doesn't do us any good if only women are reading, (laughs) by the way. (laughs) One of the things you talk about, and I, and I love this is that women are not men. That's a whole chapter. Women are not men. Can you talk a little bit more about what you, uh, what you mean by that? And I love the Alison Armstrong quote too, by the way. Yeah, yeah, I'm an right. Alison Armstrong fan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah, I mean, you know, it just we, I mean, we as humans tend to relate to each other as as we see things the same, we think the same, we react to things in the same way, and and just like we were we were talking about a, a minute ago about different different things that we do to prepare for dates. Mm-hmm. And, and our different experiences in the world, like you, you feeling more fear now than you ever have as as a woman, and me as a man being able to go for a walk at eleven o'clock at night if I want to. Women are not men, and men are not women. Is that we have different experiences, and yeah. and when we can when we can accept that and actually welcome those differences and and acknowledge those differences in each other, that that's when we can communicate. And so, you know, what, where, how that came about was I saw a lot of interactions on, online, especially like on, on Facebook, where a woman would be sharing about uh, a man in her inbox who, you know, was hitting on her and then became confrontational and then sent a dick pic and then like any number of things and, and said how like angry she was and, and, and that it's, it's scary and angering and frustrating. And, and men were like, but, but it's a compliment or you should be happy or, you know, you, maybe you should get to know the guy. Whereas, you know, for men, okay, maybe if, you know, naked women pics were showing up in our inbox, it would be a compliment or it would be a turn on, but there's not the, um, the history of violence against us. Generally speaking, there's not the, you know, using sex uh, as power, against us generally speaking there's you know we we live in different contexts we have different experiences in the world and we have different experiences of each other and so that was that was the point uh of that chapter is 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 for the men reading the book to really get that women have different experiences than we do yes and so how talk talk to me about how that manifests as you see it in relationships right because a lot of the people, you know, it's the Divorce Survival Guide podcast. A lot of people are already in divorce or going through divorce. And a lot of people are contemplating divorce. And they're in that, like, critical moment in their relationships. Yeah. Um, how do you see this manifest in relationships and the couples that you work with? Yeah, well, I mean, the, the most obvious way is is when, you know, the members of the couple think, oh, well, I wouldn't do it that way. You should do it this way. You know, whether it's, finances or, or running a business or like I, I had that in my marriage yeah. you know, where, you know, my, my now ex-wife, you know, in her, in her career is, is she's a producer, you know, she's in charge of full mm. productions and deals with money and is a, you know, liaison between like directors and agencies. And, and, right. and, you know, my career at that point, I was, 
you know, very much an artist and creative. And, and so the ways we made money were different. The mm-hmm. ways we handled money were different. The, our, right. you know, one could say, she would say that our work ethic <laughs> was different. Uh-huh. But yet I was working just as hard. It just didn't look the same. Just in a different, yeah, it looks yeah. different. Yeah. And so, yeah. And so like one of her biggest things was, well, I wouldn't do it that way. You know, that's not how I would do it. I'm like, well, I'm, I'm not you. And I, I wouldn't do it your way because I'd be, right. you know, it would, it would be a, a very long, slow death for me to work <laughs> the way you do with what you right. do. You know? Right. And, and I respect what she did, does, mm-hmm. she still does it. But, but that's, that's how it shows up. Right. Yes. Got and actually, it. you know, there, there was a couple that I was working with that had a business together. He, the husband was more the creative side and the wife was more business oriented and loved to just go out and promote and market. But he was doing more of the marketing and she was doing more of the technical and they were butting heads because they had something to say. And I was like, well, if you're good at that, you should do that. And if you're good at that, you should do jobs. that. Yeah. And, yeah. And they did that. And it was like, oh, shit. <laughs> like, you know, like the whole world just opened up. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. So, it, you know, it's really, that's, that's how it shows up. And, yeah. you know, versus, you know, knowing yourself, knowing your lane, knowing, you know, what my positive qualities are and what I'm good at, what I'm talented at and what, what, you know, what excites me mm-hmm. knowing that, you know, on your end and then, okay, cool. Now how do we partner and, and work together? Yeah. Love it. Uh, the first chapter, I love that you start off with sex. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. that's just awesome. Yeah. Um, can you talk about that a little bit? Because that's, I think that that I know for the women, my clients and a lot of my listeners, that's a really big thing. It's a real mm-hmm. big kind of bone of contention and not just, well, I'll let you start it off and then we can. Um, yeah. 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 I mean, this is a, you know, it's a great topic and actually the book I'm working on now is, is about sex and intimacy. Cause I great. just wanted to go in further cause there's so much, there's so much more. And so, yes. you know, it, you know, what basically the, the, the basis of it is, is we're not taught anything about sex and intimacy other than this is how you get pregnant. This is how you don't get pregnant. And this is how you catch a disease. And this is how you don't catch a disease. And, and, you know, I, I mean, we're about the same age. So, you know, growing up in the seventies and eighties, it was like, if you catch a disease, you're going to die. Right. And that's the context that I grew up in. So the first time that I had sex, which I was a late bloomer and it was, you know, in my, I was 21 and it was at a seedy motel in Hollywood. But I, I was like, I'm gonna die, and, and it was it was a really traumatic experience. Oh my god, man, yeah, that's terrible. Yeah, yeah, it's a whole like it's a great story, but, <laughs> but really, like, I, I went into it, and I was also raised, you know, I'm raised Jewish, so I have yeah. that tendency so towards the, like yeah. the sky is falling. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, so like really, like first time having sex, I I was on the phone with my doctor the next day, and I'm like, I, I might have caught something, and I'm afraid I'm gonna die. So, you know, so, but that's a product of what I was taught and what we were taught in school. And so, you know, having sex be such a, a you know, an important part of our lives and a, a important part of our relationships. And yet we don't really know how to be intimate with each other and we don't know how to settle in with each other. And it's always about, you know, generally, it's always about getting something like getting laid. 
you know, getting yeah. to right. get, get, yes. getting to second, third base. Yes, and, right. Um, but getting, yeah, covering the, getting, yeah. getting to the next yeah. base. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then all of the movies and, you know, that we grew up with were all about like teenage boys, you know, you have to, you know, get her drunk or, you know, Spanish fly or, you know, any of that stuff. And so our, our perspective of sex is really skewed. Now, I, I mentioned this in the book. I was fortunate in that when I went on my search for masturbation material, uh, I found a, a sensual <laughs> massage video hidden in my dad's dresser drawer. And oh, I was, I was like, awesome. Yeah, and I was like, cool, naked women. And I'm watching it. It's like, oh, that's how you touch a woman. And that's what, you know, and, and then, and, but it was, and then the women were touching the men. I was like, oh, I bet that would feel pretty good. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I was, I was learning this. And then when I finally did see, a, you know, my first porno movie. Yeah. Uh, and it was, I found out later it was, it's, was considered a, a very avant-garde movie, but it, it looked <laughs> like weird. Like, it was called uh, Tracy, I Love You with Tracy Lords, and that, like yeah. there was like leather masks and oh my god, and, and I was like, that what? looks crazy, but that's what I thought it was supposed to look like. Uh, and right, just, right, you know, and you know the, and it's beyond like rough sex. It was just very you know gratuitous, and then. You know, I, I felt I felt sick watching it, but that's mm-hmm. what I thought sex was supposed to look like. And so yeah. when I was finally with a woman and I was like, I like the sensual massage thing, but now we have to switch gears and do it this way. It was like all fucked up and confusing because we don't like there's no education on this. Nobody teaches us about yeah. this. Note to self, I need to go get my get a sensual massage mm-hmm. video that I need to hide right. where, somewhere <laughs> where my son will find it before he finds the porn, which yeah. I'm. Sure, he's found, but well, and then that's the thing, you know, because then, like, we didn't have you porn, we didn't have the internet, we didn't, it wasn't like we had we had to work for it, <laughs> right? Know? We had yeah. like, I don't know about you, in, in New York, we had Robin Bird, we <laughs> it was like a public access channel, it oh. was so bad. She had like Ron Jeremy on all the time, okay. like, I mean, it was like they're just like naked sitting in chairs talking. I mean, yeah. it was like, we really did not have. Oh, wow a lot of access. Oh, we had channel J. That was like, that was the porn channel um, mm. in New York when I was growing up. Anyway. So then we're at odds with each other and we're not yes. taught how to relate with each other. And then, and then we get into relationships where, you know, usually at the beginning, all right, sex is great and it's happening all the time. And then something happens, you know, and because it changes. Yeah. And then, because and we it don't gets- know where to go. Boring when it's just wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. Or yeah. right. Like, I remember, you know, being in a relationship with someone who I hope is not listening to this and he was wonderful. Right. And he 100% mastered my body, right? Mm -hmm. Like technically he got it down. Yeah. And so I had like the best orgasms of my life, right? Cause he like really knew what to do, Mm -hmm. but there was no intimacy involved. There was no sensuality. There was no real authentic connectedness. And even that got boring. Mm-hmm. Like every time we would like start, I would be like, oh God. And then at the end, I'd be like, Whoa, well, that was great. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it just wasn't that exciting or enticing yeah. because it wasn't, it wasn't connected. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's the thing as men, um, we tend to look for the, the roadmap 
Mm-hmm. You know, so we look for the yeah. techniques and we look for the, the, you know, the, the buttons to push and, and all of that. Totally. And I get that yeah. like, it's complicated down there. Like, and we're all different and it's mm-hmm. like, you guys are pretty simple in that regard. We're pretty complicated. Yeah. Although I mean, <laughs> and diverse. Yes, yes, we, we are, we are simple. And you know, what I've discovered in my own exploration, um, is that, you know, there's a lot more, I have a lot more erogenous zones than, than the one <laughs> that, <laughs> that I knew I had. Um, but it, 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 but it takes, you know, it takes time. It takes attention. It, you know, you, when, when women tell me that they want their partner, they want to feel their partners, there's, you know, there's a way to be present. And it, I mean, yeah. it's being present. There's a way to, you know, be in our bodies, which, you know, even though I, you know, I, there was that, the sensual massage video. And then I, I had a subscription to, what is it? I forget. Better sex home video series. Where no. they would, <laughs> <laughs> and so I would learn these techniques, which yeah. were really great. And it was great. And the women that I were with, I was with, you know, appreciated it. Yes. And what was missing was I wasn't in my body. Right. I was, I was in, in, my head, my thinking head, (laughs) you know, figure, okay, what do I do now? What do I do now? And what do I do now versus, you know, so year and a half ago, I took a Tantra course. It was a seven week course with a woman named Dawn Cartwright. And we met, uh, it was like 20 people in the class. We met once a week for seven weeks and there were couples and then there were singles and everything was fully clothed. And, and we went through these exercises of just being present, you know, sitting with each other and breathing with each other, learning how to touch each other, learning how to have consent conversations in ways that are sexy and, and fun and, and intimate. And the consent is hot. Yeah. Speaking as a woman, a man, like asking consent, like, first of all, you're going to get a lot further with a woman if you're asking consent because it's like like the answer is probably yes <laughs> right and if it's no like fine no yeah. but it's fucking hot it's a turn on mm-hmm. i'm here yeah. to tell you anyway yeah, yeah. Go on. yeah and and there's ways to do it because we you know so i guess sidebar you know we yeah. we tend to think of it as okay i'm asking for permission which changes the the dynamic right that changes the context yeah but, but if we can come from it from a place of partnership and export and invitation yeah. versus can I do this to you? Yes. <laughs> can I do this to you now? Do, like that that you. sucks. But do it's like you, right. Yeah. yeah. But it but if it's like I would really love to kiss you right now. How about if we go upstairs? How about if you know like there's ways to to ask for consent without it being a, a permission thing, which makes yep. it more of a turn on where it's like, oh okay. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. The last man I was with, it was like he was just like that. Hmm. Just like, you know, it was like, a lo- he, it was, I mean, he must've, you know, read a book because that's the kind of guy he is. <laughs> and he, it was like, I was like, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what comes out of that, the, the safety, the respect and the safety and yes. all of that allows you to surrender. And when, when both partners are surrendered and just present with each other, like the, the we, you know, people talk about reaching higher heights and, you know, different states of consciousness in sex. And that, that's how you do it. It's not from, okay, you know, different angles and positions and, 
and all of that. That's no, you know, it's like it's breath and connectedness. And, yeah. and I do want to, I do want to, I want to highlight what you just said about the safety mm-hmm. because this comes back to the conversation that we were having earlier about women feeling safe. Yeah. You know, newsflash men, like a good strategy for like getting laid would be to make women feel safe, not to make them feel like objects, you know, not that it should be a strategy, but like they're, they're working so often against their own interests, right? Mm -hmm. Everything that they're, that they think they're trying to get and that they want, um, their behavior actually ensures that they're not going to get. Yeah. Um, And that, and that's part of the, you know, the, our conditioning also, you know, we're taught we we have to pursue which i get there's something to that and and a lot of women say well i want to be pursued but but what we're shown is you know slick pickup lines and like pickup artist tactics and Ugh. you know hey baby with you know like that like that kind of thing or which, or, or worse the nlp mm-hmm. version which is yeah. you know the which is what the pickup original pickup artists were using, mm-hmm. which right. those of don't know, it's neuro linguistic programming, which is actually a way of speaking that kind of I don't know, you know more about it than I do. I mean, to me, it's complete manipulation. Yeah, well, <laughs> it, it can be. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, women become suspect of that, rightfully so, and then you know, and the, so we're we're all, we're working against ourselves. Right. This is how we're supposed to act and behave or thinking that is like, I, you know, look, when I was in my twenties and my friends and I would, would cruise sunset Boulevard and we would, you know, whistle at, at women and sometimes they would laugh and, you know, and so we was like, Oh, this is, you know, this is fun. This is what we're supposed to do. But I didn't, I didn't get the impact and I didn't get that. It's quite possible that, you know, a woman, a woman enjoyed that. But for the most part, it was like, you know, this is scary. It's car full of guys. I don't know what's going to happen. Right. Right. And if you're young and cute, we think mm-hmm. it's adorable or like yeah. we're flattered. Yeah. You know? And so it does, there is a bit of like, depending on who's doing it kind of thing. Sure. Um, but there was something I wanted, oh, when you were talking about pursuing, you know, the pursuit, mm-hmm. which is such a sort of conquesty kind right. of uh, term. And something that I really like is the idea of courtship which feels again more invitational mm-hmm. than than sort of pursuit and yeah. right like i don't like the idea of being courted sounds incredibly romantic mm-hmm. the idea of being pursued feels feels like i'm prey yeah i, I want to talk about this chivalry thing cuz i think mm-hmm. i love i love that you have a chapter on chivalry in this book yeah. i love it and there are men out there who are going to read that, and I'm sure you've come across them, and be like, if I try to hold a door for a woman, she gets mad at me. Or if I try to pay for dinner, she gets, she gets pissed off and she can mm-hmm. pay for her own fucking dinner. Right? So like, where, how do we balance that? Because yeah. I'm, I'm all for it. Mm-hmm. It's, so, it's so great. I've actually, there have uh, been a couple women actually also who have read it, and they're like, I don't like any of that stuff. Interesting, right? Let's break down what the stuff is that you talk about in the chivalry chapter. Opening car doors, opening doors, you know, Mm -hmm. to a store, a building, or a business, or or whatever. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Any old door, just find a door. Any door, okay. Um, you know, I'm, I'm somebody who, you know, on the first date, I, I, you know, I, I believe that we should pay or be prepared to pay. And, and also, you know, if, if I'm on a date and, 
uh, I'm intending to pay and she offers to split it, then, then that's fine too. You know, it, it's really, there's chivalry and then there's dominance. And so, ah, great. you know, if I, if I hold a door for a woman and she says, I can get that myself. Okay. <laughs> you know, it's not, it's not, uh, it's not personal. It's not anything against me. You know, it's just a difference of, of opinions. And I, I, you know, I, we tend to, as, as, as beings look for what's the thing that's going to make it work every time for everyone. And they're just, and they're just, and isn't. I love what you say about it being an honoring of the yeah. divine feminine, right? That it's really honoring women. Mm-hmm. That this, this idea of chivalry is that you're honoring womanhood. Yeah. And I can fucking get down with that. And I, you know, I am a diehard feminist and I can mm-hmm. get down with, you know, some courtship and honoring of my feminine. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not opening your door because you can't, I'm not opening it because right. I'm the man and you're the woman and I'm supposed to, or, you know, I'm right. dominant. It's, you know, you're, you're important to me. Uh, you're special to me. I, you know, I, and I would like to show that to you yeah. by doing this thing for you. So if there are men who are listening, who might be, you know, in a tenuous place in their marriage, if they feel like they're, you know, or, and they feel like they might be losing it or whatever, mm-hmm. how can they sort of, impl- how can they look at this for themselves? Um, and if they're looking at it and they're listening and they're like, oh, I can see how I might be culturally conditioned by this, mm-hmm. right? Then they're open. Then I'm like, you got, you're, you're golden. If yeah. you, can, you know, <laughs> if right. not this, if not this marriage, your next one, you know, it's going to be great. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah. Right. Like it I'm might not, not it, it might be too late for the first mm-hmm. one, but um, what, how can they take this in for themselves and start to really actually make shifts and changes? Well, I mean, the, the place to start is, is really to look at, uh, who do you want to be? How do you want to be? How do you want to experience yourself in relation to your wife or, or a wife or a partner or what, you know, whatever that looks like and how do you want to feel and how do you want to be? And from there you can make, make choices and decisions, uh, and take actions that are aligned with that. And so that's, that's the first place to start because, you know, it's easy to get caught up in, you know, we fight all the time. We're never having sex. We're, you know, money's all screwed up. I don't feel like I can do anything right. It's like, okay, well, how do you want to feel? And let's like, you know, stop and get quiet and, you know, take some deep breaths and, you know, meditate if, if you're into that sort of thing and really get clear on what you want. Like, how do you want to feel and experience your life and partnership? Mm. And then from there, you can, like I said, take, take actions. And you can also decide if if this particular relationship is something that will you know will will have you feel that way you know consistently or or if you're fighting against something mm-hmm. you know the the marriage that I was in it was it was great for you know for for what it was and and at the end of the day you know at at one point in time we were perfect for each other and then at, at a later point in time we're perfect not for each other right. <laughs> and and not and not in a bad way it's just like right we're just on two very different paths and we came together for what we needed and we had kids and they're great kids and and then it was just time to move on right um 
And so, so then I get to look at, well, okay, so I experienced marriage that way. And I felt a certain way, which at, you know, in that marriage, this was before I had done a lot of this work. I felt like there was nothing I could do right. I felt like a loser. I felt like mm-hmm. I felt unattractive and undesired and, and like a, a fuck up, you know, even though I was, I was working in my chosen field and I was, you know, present with my kids and, and, you know, a bunch of other things, but that, that was my experience. Right. And so once I was out of that marriage and I got to really redefine myself, interact with women who were interested in me, who, you know, we would have, you know, they found me intellectually stimulating and, and physically stimulating and, you know, all these other, it's like, oh, wow, there's a whole new world there's that's available to new, me. Yeah. Oh yeah. I had that um, after my marriage. I was like, I felt like the most, same thing, like just com- the most hideous and, mm. and, you know, and then I was carrying myself in such a way that it was like, you know, right. when I got out of my marriage and I was like, oh shit, I, I still got it going on. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you start with how you want to be. And then not only are you deciding which actions to take in your relationship, but in your life, like I wanted to feel you know, I was, I was at a place where I, like I said, I felt like a loser in, in life and in relationship. And so I took a a seminar and that like flipped things for me completely to where I was like, oh, I can be responsible for my life and I can live within integrity and I can learn how to listen to somebody without all my shit in the way. Cause I didn't even realize I was listening with my shit in the way. I thought, I thought it was just, that's what I was hearing. Yep. Matthew and I took the same seminar, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, you know, it's, it's that. And then it's like, okay, well, what do I want to learn now? I want to learn relationships. So I'm going to go take this seminar. I'm going to read this book. I'm going to go on a date with this person. And they, they seem really interesting because, you know, I haven't experienced this before. And now mm-hmm. I'm, you know, so it, it's like you get to do whatever you want, really. Yeah. And there's this, there's, there is that sort of, you know... <laughs> It, it is, it has to start with yourself. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that in so many cases it, you know, we're putting so much on our spouse to make us feel a certain mm-hmm. way or make us be a certain way or make the marriage look or feel a certain way when really the most important thing you can do is turn inward, look at yourself and, and be present with your, the only way to get present in a relationship is to get present with yourself. Yeah. Um, and to do the deeper work to uncover whatever that looks like, right? Whether it's therapy or seminars or whatever, 12 step Mm -hmm. programs, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Right. It's, and you know, one of the things that I want to sort of highlight here is that for, for, for anyone who's questioning their marriage, anyone who's listening to this right now and saying like, and, and feeling like this conversation or this level of connection is completely and utterly like, like from another planet right? Like it's like, it, like there's no way that you can possibly have that in your marriage for whatever mm. reason, right? Too much water may have gone under the bridge. That's okay. Um, it's actually possible. Yeah. It it's possible. actually, it actually exists in the world. And I do think it's, I do think it's harder and harder to find right now, but I also think we're at a tipping point where the people who are, that, that more people are doing this work and more people are, are, are really getting present to this and stepping into this because they know that it's really the only way that that we can sort of continue on as relational beings. Mm-hmm. 
And so I just want people to know that, that this is, that this is possible. This is truly possible. And if you don't have it now, it's, and I sure didn't. And, you know, I mean, I surely didn't in my marriage and it was tragic. Mm -hmm. It was tragic. It's painful to live without that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I, you know, along those lines, it's, um, you know, in my marriage, I read all the John Gray books. I read David Data and, yeah. and none of it worked. Right. <laughs> you know? um, right. And then, and then when I, you know, started, when I took that seminar and, and, and took, you know, other, other courses within, inside that community after that and really learned how to listen uh, and have like real conversations and come from a place of, you know, having nothing in between, right? None of, none of my history, none of my, well, she's just like that. And, you know, she's like my ex, like none of that stuff. So mm-hmm. I can really hear whoever was right in front of me. That's, that's how things have opened up. And that's what I teach people to do. And actually, the, you know, most men who have read my book, they point to, there's a chapter on listening where I break down step by step how to mm-hmm. listen yeah. in, in a way that has her feel heard, which, you know, just the the reality is, is when, when I'm as a man, when I'm listened to that way, I feel heard. So it's not just men listening to women, but it's women listening to men. And, you know, I do this with my kids and yes, you know, like I, but it's, it's, it just takes a little, it just takes practice. And then it just becomes a way of, of listening, which is what I do with clients and what I do, you know, I do, um, I'm hired to, do interventions uh, with with businesses where they have a breakdown in communication, mm-hmm. or you know mm-hmm. certain departments aren't getting along, or yeah. there's diversity issues, or whatever it is. Where you know I create that space where people get to feel heard, you know, and and they they say I've never felt heard before, you know, I've never felt listened to this way, I, you know, and and it's surprisingly simple. Yeah. Can you yeah. briefly break down? I don't want to like, you know, I mean, everyone has to buy your book, but can you briefly break down the four steps? <laughs> I don't want to give away yeah. the whole thing. For yeah, yeah. Well, well it, starts, <laughs> it starts with, you know, giving up the need to be right. So, mm-hmm. you know, when you asked me about the, the chapter on women are not men, like, I don't have to be right about your experience. Your experience is your experience and my experience is my experience. So then I get to listen to you sharing about your experience without any of my judgment in the way or needing to respond or needing to tell you what I think about it. Like I just get to hear you. So giving up the need to be right. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, in the book, I I talk about like listening to the actual words and being able to repeat that, which you wouldn't do in the actual conversation, but as a practice, you want to do that. It's a great practice. It's a great practice. Yeah. But, but the main thing is, uh, the third part is is getting your experience, and so when you're sharing about, you know, I I went to Starbucks after this meeting and they screwed up my drink, and then I was waiting, and then you know my lunch hour was over and I didn't get it and I had to go back. What you're sharing is frustration. You feel defeated. You f- you're angry. You're upset. Like those are the the things that when we share with each other, if the other person can can get that get those emotions and those feelings. And, and to the extent that I can feel those as I'm listening to you, share them with me, then we connect and then, and then you feel heard. And then there's, there's intimacy and openness and, and connection. Yep. And then, and then the last part is, you know, if it's something that you were 
upset about or something you're excited about, there's uh, the thing that you were committed to. What was it that you wanted to happen that either didn't happen, which is why you're frustrated, or it did happen, which is why you're excited? Right. And so, no, so knowing those things, that, that's, that's what we're not taught, like any, any version of in school, but it makes all yeah. the world a difference. It is. And it's, it's really listening for the, the person's experience of an event, not just the word, like not, listening beyond the words, right? We're not just listening right. to words. We're listening for the experience. We're listening for the emotion behind it. And then we're relating and empathizing to that experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Without that, our own shit in the way. And like one of the generalizations about men is that like, we'll hear your words and you'll say uh, you weren't listening. It's like, yeah, you said yeah, this, this, you said this, this, and this, but, right. but that's not what you wanted us to hear. And it's not what you wanted right. us to get, which is why we have this, like we're butting heads about, I was listening. No, you weren't, but you said this, but that's not what I want, <laughs> you know? And so, yeah. and so getting that, getting, you know, what I shared and what's in the, the chapter of the book has people like I've seen, I've seen in interactions with people where somebody was so upset and so angry and the person that they were talking to, to just heard them and understood their experience and, and, and recreated that. And, and, and then they were fine. So we started this conversation talking about toxic masculinity, mm-hmm. right? And, yeah. and like, and the fact that this is very prevalent in our society, right? And so whether, and so how, how about this? How do you see us Go, moving on from here, mm-hmm. what do you what do you um, predict, or how do you see this um, changing, or not, yeah. or what, what do you what do you, what's on the horizon for us as, as humanity? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a yeah, it's a good question. Uh, I mean, I really think that, uh, and I actually just wrote an article about this, uh, well, about marriage actually for the Good Men Project. Mm-hmm. Um, we, you know, I, we're, we're in a, a, a very specific time of choice right now mm-hmm. and we can choose how we're going to go. And we have, you know, endless sources of information and, uh, you know, people are accessible in, in ways that we haven't been before. We also, you know, dating apps and everything like, we, you know, there, there, we just have access to a whole lot more than we ever do. Yeah. And so, you know, I, th- I, I believe that the, the men and women, cause you know, there's a, there's, I mean, there's a lot of work to do on, on all sides I, as, as a, as human beings, um, we, we are wounded. You know, we, we all have wounds. We all have traumas. We all have crap that we've grown up with that we're sifting through. And, um, you know, for the most part, we relate to each other from, from our attachment uh, strategies, you know, yeah. from, mm-hmm. from what we learned as, as kids, how to survive. Yeah. And so I, I do see people who are really wanting to heal and really uh, committed to doing the work. And it's funny because even like saying the work, like it sounds like abstract. <laughs> capital, but, capital the work. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But, but I see people who are, like down for that, who really want to do that, who are, who are doing it. And, yep. there, and there are teachers out there who are doing great work, who are showing the way. Yeah. And then there are those who are not interested and, you know, that's okay too. And so we get to 
decide. We get to choose who we want to hang out with and who we don't want to hang out with. And, you know, I, as, as far as like a big tipping point where it's all going to be like, I, I don't, I don't really believe in like the hippie peace and love thing. Um, no, <laughs> you know, but, but I do, I do believe that, that there's a space of, uh, connection and intimacy and, uh, understanding that's available to us that, that people are really, uh, yearning for. And when, like, you know, once we experience it, once I experienced it, I was like, Holy shit. Oh shit. Why would I ever want anything else? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, you know, I don't, I don't really have a prediction other than than it's going to go the way it's going to go. Right. But I like the idea that like, we actually, we do get to choose, right. We we get to choose. And that's, you know, so much in my work is about, is about helping women get to the point where it's okay to choose. Yeah. Right. Like Mm -hmm. (laughs) chocolate or vanilla choose. Right. right. Why? Because, 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 yeah. And, uh, and that's really, you know, that's it, right? I get to choose. I get to choose whether to stay in this marriage and I get to choose if I want to leave this marriage. If if this person is not willing to do the work that I'm committed to in my life, which by the way is a signifier of, you know, completely conflicting values, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. You have a value towards of of you know about personal development and all of that and then your spouse just doesn't. Like that's actually a core value conflict, mm-hmm. which is sort of irreparable in a marriage. And if you choose to leave, it's, it's okay. You actually get to make that choice because you are a human being in your own right with your own choices. And right. It doesn't mean it's not going to have impact. It'll have an impact, but you still get to choose. We get to mm-hmm. choose who we spend time with in our lives. Yeah. 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 And, and I, I would invite everybody listening to this to spend time with yourself, not, yes. not on a phone, not at a computer, not in front of a TV, but you know, quiet time in, in meditation in just breathing, sitting on the beach with, you know, with a, a, a pad and, and pen so you can journal and really get to know yourself. Cause the more, the more, like really the more that I've gotten to know myself and what works for me and what doesn't and what's important and what's not and how I feel about things, that's, that's, that's when things have really opened up for me. That's when, you know, the amazing partner showed up. That's when, you know, career opportunities showed up. That's when, you know, my relationship with my kids shifted in a, in a way that's, that's been more pleasurable. I'm laughing because, oh man, it's like two weeks into the summer. And, and <laughs> it's like, when, when does school start again? <laughs> Our relationship with my kids was great yeah. two weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, two weeks ago. But, but what, but what is there along with all of that is, the conversation and yeah. the communication and them coming to me as a, a source of support and, and information and, and, you know, knowing that I have their back and, and all of that as, as, as a guide versus, you know, as the dictator, which is, yeah. you know, what I was yep. and, and they were younger and maybe that was more called for, but now it's, it's not right. You know? Yep. I love it. I love it all. Thank you, Matthew. Yeah, thank you. We could talk all day, but I think that this, I think that we got to <laughs> let our people go. Thank you for coming on and talking about this. And I want to make sure everybody knows uh, everything's going to be in the show notes as everybody, as, as everybody knows, they always are. Awesome. Um, but Matthew's book is really tremendous and fabulous. And uh, you should get it for yourself and for all the men in your life. 
And it's called Man School. Yeah, Man School, (laughs) relating with women in the Me Too era. Yeah, Yeah, thank you. Thanks for listening to the Divorce Survival Guide podcast. You can find me over at kateanthony.com and be sure to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes so you don't miss an episode. See you next time.